Hello everyone, welcome to SAMA episode 161. SAMA is a program which invites experts to discuss a topic from their area of expertise. In this episode, we are lucky to have Dato Dr. Suyakatan Osman. Suyakatan is a lecturer and the international director of the Academy Malaysian Homeopathic Medical Association and she's been in that position from 1997 to 2010. She owns the clinic Tawak in Malaysia, and she's had that since 1985. During her career, she has published multiple books and journal articles. With us to explain the importance of our microbiome, how it directly affects our health, and what we can do to ensure our microbiome is healthy. Suryakatan, is a medical doctor specializing in homeopathy. She earned her postgraduate diploma in reproductive health from the College of GPs Malaysia in 1992. She studied homeopathy in Malaysia and is a member of faculty of homeopathy in the UK. Now today's seminar is rather special because I've actually known Suryakatan for a number of years. In fact, she was one of the very first supporters of Spooky and the Spooky products. And so um, she was one of the very first people to buy products from us. And she incorporates Spooky products in her healing clinic. So welcome to our show, Suryakatan. It's marvelous to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you, John, for actually inviting me. <laughs> Now, the subject we're going to talk about today is it's, uh, it's down and dirty and people don't really realise how important it is. But our very, um, our largest uh, natural immune organ is our gut and our stomach, our digestive system. And we've got, we've got a, um, little animals that live there, don't we? Oh, yes, we certainly do. And, and uh, so they also play it. A very important part, a role to play, keeping the body in balance and keeping the invaders at bay. Um, can you explain to us why the microbiome is so important? Well, actually, um, uh, I think more than uh, more than ninety percent of our immune system is in the guts. Is in the guts, yes. and uh, we actually have a lot of uh, bacteria viruses as well as fungi in the guts yes. and uh, we're even we're not even aware of it and the thing is that um, we only discovered it quite recently actually <laughs> I think it's about only about uh, 20 years ago that people started uh, that the, the researchers started to realize that the guts had a lot of organisms that were actually important you see, in the human breast milk, there is an oligosaccharide. Human milk has got an oligosaccharide, and uh, a human being could not, uh, cannot absorb this. It's a insoluble sugar. It's a, it's a sugar that is not. We can't utilize it. We can't utilize an oligosaccharide. Right. And they thought that why is this useless thing inside the milk? The mother's milk has this useless thing. So, you know, we human beings, we think we are everything. We think that we know everything. And actually, we don't know most of the things. So actually, that oligosaccharide in the mother's milk was there 
to feed our microbiome and help it to grow. Right. And so they've just recently discovered that, oh, there's something useful in the milk. And of course, you know that formula milk never had this, you know. So that was a huge difference between giving human milk and formula milk because uh, formula milk didn't have any prebiotics. They didn't have anything to feed the, the little animals that you call them that, were, that are living in us. Right. Can you imagine that? And we think that we're so great. And uh, when, when, when uh, during my mother's generation, uh, they even thought that, you know, formula milk is everything and human milk is nothing, which is really, I, I don't know what to say about it because that's how arrogant we human beings are. We think that we can create something better than nature, better than God. Don't you no. think so? Not, not possible, though, is it? Not at all possible. Now, I believe you've got a presentation that you can step us through. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. Uh, shall we get to it? Yes, yes. We okay, are. I'll... Right, let's share now. Okay, here we are, human microbiome. Uh, let's just set it to slideshow. From the beginning. All right, the human microbiome and our health. Um, John, I usually speak in my own language, Bahasa, and uh, it's been a long, long time. You know why? Because of the two years, I haven't been able to go anywhere mm -hmm. and I haven't had to speak English all the way. So I hope I succeed. But if I let slip a few Malay words, uh, please uh, <laughs> remind me or something. Oh, no, no problem. You're doing... <laughs> because you're doing... I, I'm actually uh, bilingual. Uh, I mean, I, I speak... At least two languages, and maybe Arabic is another one. So uh, let's just get going with this. All right. Mm. Okay, so what is the human microbiome? Uh, some things are known and some things are unknown. Uh, actually, uh, this microbiome, sometimes it just cannot be cultured. You know, when you try to culture, some of the things don't just, they don't, they don't grow very well. Right. But I think because we are now able to uh, examine the DNA, uh, so we begin to discover that actually there's a lot of these things in our body, a lot of these uh, little creatures. And um, every human being, every human being have about 600 to 1,000 or even more of this uh, different species of this mic uh, microbiome, these microbes. And uh, they actually exert a really, really major influence on hormones, on appetite, on the immune system, on the neurotransmitters, and even your genes. And uh, I'm beginning to suspect that actually they are, you know, talking to us via frequencies, John. I think that will be, you'll be familiar with the word frequencies, of course. You're, you're, you're doing a lot of work with frequencies. Yes. So I, I believe that um, frequencies, uh, they, they're transmitting frequencies that, that uh, are communicating with the human body. <laughs> All right. So um, actually, if you were to uh, weigh, weigh down the number of... Uh, body cells, the number of cells in our body. Yes. And I'm sure that's really, really a lot of those. Yes. But actually, we actually have more microbes than we have cells in our body. Can you just imagine that? We have more microbes than we have cells in our body. And actually, each human being is like, uh, like the earth to humans. Yes. So there are creatures on us 
and inside us and they are helping us despite us not knowing that they are helping us right. so there are there are microbiome there are different microbes on the skin and then uh, there are my microbiomes uh, living in our you know even in the conjunctiva of our eyes inside our mouth and of course definitely in our guts okay right. and they even believe in fact they know that uh, there are microbiomes in the placenta and uh Gosh. When a baby is born, they already have some microbiome even before they get the initial dose from their mothers. It's a bit gross, but the thing is that you swallow gunk from your mother's birth passages before you're born and you get your mom's microbiome. It's not gross at all, actually. When you think about it, it's, it's perfectly natural. I guess in the highly sanitized world we live in where we're told to sanitize you know move use disinfectant soaps and and get everything that's non-human cells off our off our skin and and with antibiotics and everything everything is so pristine and yet our health is yeah. getting worse and then you're this is why we actually need a lot of these microbiome um cells and i just can't uh, believe that some women actually opt to have a cesarean section because they don't want to give birth vaginally yeah. because, uh, you know, they think that oh, it's better to, you know, take the baby out from the window rather than to go through the, the whole process of giving birth uh, naturally. Right. And it's really ridiculous because, you know, what you're doing is that you're depriving your child of the micro, the initial microbiome, the initial inoculation of the microbiome yes. by, 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 by giving birth by cesarean section. Right. right? And yeah. the, the thing is that some babies, they, they're born and uh, they're, they're just born a bit um, prematurely or sometimes uh, they, they, they kind of uh, like don't have enough oxygen and all. And, uh, and then the doctors put them in, a, in an incubator and give them prophylactic antibiotics. Hello. I think the age of antibiotics and of thinking that antibiotics are the answer to everything should mm -hmm. have ended by now. Sure. But I think doctors, they are always about 20 years too late, uh, 20 years in catching up. So I guess mm -hmm. it's going to be another 20 years before they realize that they are harming the little babies by giving them antibiotics at birth. I see so many of these cases. I see cases where who shouldn't be getting eczema, getting eczema and all that. And the main reason is that because they were given prophylactic, prophylactic, can you believe that? Prophylactic antibiotics at birth. Okay? It's, it's terrible. So how many different organisms are there normally? Okay. So in the mouth, there are about 600 species. In the skin, about 600. And in the intestines, there are about 8,000 species. But believe me, the modern man doesn't have that many. Okay, right. yeah, the species have really started to um, disappear. You think only dinosaurs disappear, even the microbiome starting to disappear, you know. Gosh. And uh, the vagina has got uh, more than 200 species. And uh, so this is uh, what we have on us. Okay, fungi, we do have parasites and bacteria and viruses. Uh, parasites are like worms and all, right? Yes. Uh, flukes and all. And uh, of course, we think that parasites are bad for us, but we never know. I think that in some cases, there are parasites that are actually beneficial. We don't really know. Right. But I've read about it. I didn't go deep into it. But even the worms 
have a role. Mm. Imagine. <laughs> so where do we get our microbiome? As I told you earlier, uh, the first microbiome of the child, of the baby, is from the mother. Mm. So when they pass through the birth passages, uh, the mother has got the mucous membrane, and inside the mucous membrane, there are there is a microbiome, which is why it is rather it is extremely important to make sure that the mother's microbiome is all good, yes. because we we kind of uh, I, I kind of realize uh, from treating patients that among the worst things that can happen is a child inheriting from the mother bad microbiome. For example, if the mother had candidiasis, so a lot of uh, candida in the in the vaginal passages, yes. which means to say that the mother also has candida in her intestines, mm. and the baby will inherit that candida from the mother. And babies who have candida from the mother will develop ringworm. And uh, ringworm, you think, okay, ringworm is not so bad. And then they will develop some kind of eczema. But worse than that, they might actually get some uh, delayed um, uh, delayed speech, for example, or uh, even autism and all that, because the gut bacteria speaks to the brain via neurotransmitters. So uh, with a lot of uh, candida, the good bacteria can't grow very well. Because I always put it like this for example uh, if we have um, if we have uh, a neighborhood okay a neighborhood and in all neighborhoods there are the good citizens then they form the majority right mm -hmm. the good citizens in the neighborhood form the majority and then there are some of these hooligan types but they're not the majority and because there's so many good citizens they kind of uh, know their place and keep their place all right but supposing there are not enough good citizens, then the hooligans will grow more, more bold, and they will grow in numbers, mm. and then they'll take over the neighborhood. So this is what this is candida. This is what candida is. There is candida in our gut. Everybody has candida, but there are hooligans that are kept in place by the good citizens, and the good citizens are our good microbiome, our probiotics. Mm. Okay, so. In, in a mother who has a candida infection, the child will develop, the child will get the neighborhood with the hooligans, okay, uh, uh, controlling the, the environment, okay. And the other place that we get our, actually the mothers get it from the environment, uh, farming communities versus industrialized nations, mm. they have different sets of microbiomes, they have different mm. sets. And uh, uh, there was one research, you know, when Germany united, they were able to do a very good research on the, in the sense that they were in the same area, but they were divided, right? So one was a very uh, rural community where animals were in the house and all that. And the other one was a very sanitized, very clean environment and all that. So what they found, what they found was that allergic allergies were more prevalent in the supposedly sanitized environment. It could also be the food as well, okay? It could also be the food that we eat. And we will see about that here. Okay. So I, I'll go back to that. I'll go back to that, the different types of the microbiome depending on the on the environment. But uh, I'm talking about how the microbiome... You see, when the baby is born, it, it's not immediately that they have a good gut colony. Mm. It takes time. 
Mm. Okay, so phase one, the gut is supposed to be sterile, but I, I really don't think that it is that sterile because we found out that even the placenta have got their own microbiome, okay? So it's probably that the baby does have some microbiome to start with. Mm. But anyway, the initial uh, colonization is uh, from the uh, from the mother, from the birth passage, right? right? And of course, um, probably whatever that whatever is there in the hospital. So, you know, I, I don't think that a hospital is a very good place to give birth to because we have really bad bacteria in the hospital. Maybe we should start thinking about isolating uh, birth centers from hospitals. We should think about that so that the uh, right. bad bacteria won't get into us. Yes. And then uh, phase three uh, is uh, breastfeeding. And of course, when you have bottle-fed babies, especially when their formulas do not have any microbiome mm. or prebiotics, then you have a problem there. Okay, one thing about the breast milk, I forgot to mention that actually breast milk itself have got microbiome. So you actually have microbiome inside the breast, breast milk. Right. And uh, they have uh, bifidobacteria and they have what we call the oligosaccharides. Okay. So in a bottle fat, they'll get more of the, what I call the hooligans just now, the bacteroids and the clostridial species. These are the bad guys. Right. Okay? They, they, they are present even in the, in the good guts, but they are present in small amounts. Whereas if you bottle feed a child, they will be present in large amounts. Right. And, uh, if you if you notice, I I'm I'm one person who always looking at the what's inside a formula, and one of the main things in a formula is sugar. Okay, breast milk has got sugar too in the form of uh, uh, lactose, mum's lactose, human human uh, uh, lactose. Right. But the breast that's breast milk, but the formula milk it has all kinds of sugar. For example, corn syrup which is actually not a very good sugar. It is really, really not a very good sugar. Uh, it encourages the bad bacteria, all right? So after that, phase four is moving to the adult flora. All of you, I think um, if you have babies in the house and uh, if you had to change a nappy uh, and you would have that typical uh, poo smell of a baby, uh, it's a slightly sour, slightly um, sweetish odor. And that is uh, actually because of the microbiome. Okay. And then when they grow bigger and they start eating and their stools turn a bit brown and the smell becomes quite different. All right. So um, how does the microbiome affect our health? All right. Uh, so as I said before, the most of them are in the intestines and uh, it communicates with the rest of the body and it controls quite a number of functions. It has even been called the second brain because what happens in our gut affects our brain. So um, I already mentioned this, so maybe this is just a summary uh, that uh, the, the environment and the mother, and uh, this one affects the gut of the baby. So I guess if you have a baby in Asia and a baby in Europe and a baby in East Europe or a baby in Africa, they will all have a different uh, set of microbiomes. 
and uh, uh, this is the, the way that is transmitted vertically and horizontally as well. And the development of the local community is shaped by the host selection and based on interactions between the host and the bacterial cell. Actually, the baby, you know, you know, babies like to put things in their mouth. And uh, babies like to uh, explore and they like to go on the tables and um, yeah, in every nook and corner of the house. And I think they collect in doing so in, in putting things in their mouth, they are actually collecting their microbiome as well. So um, maybe mothers think that they should have a very sterile house, uh, but maybe not. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Okay, so uh, these, this is a, a picture I got from the internet of uh, hunter-gatherers. They are very nice people there. And uh, uh, they're usually in the hot countries. That's why they don't wear much clothes. And hunter-gatherers, hunter-gatherers means to say that they are not farming communities. So they kind of uh, eat roots, root vegetables and fruits, and then animals, right? They don't, they don't eat grain. So root vegetables tend to have a lot of fiber. So the, the microbiome that they have will be ones that can actually uh, digest and process the carbohydrates which are actually not available to the person eating them unless the bacteria deals with it first. So um, they, don't, they don't take antibiotics and they don't take drugs. And in the Western diet, of course, we have uh, ultra-processed food and... Uh, I, I think everybody takes drugs. Very few people don't take drugs, and um, I'm one of them who doesn't take drugs. Okay, I never take drugs unless I'm very sick and I need to take them to uh, to save my life. <laughs> I think that's it. Okay, so uh, there was this study, and uh, it supports the idea that the diet is the most important driver of the microbiome in the human being. And uh, we are what we eat, is actually not uh, something to be laughed at. So as you can see, I've put here in these two pictures, one is a picture of uh, natural foods, you know, things that don't need to be processed, that you can pick off the tree or that you can uh, harvest and boil or cook in some way and eat. Or maybe uh, with some, you just don't have to do anything. You just eat them right off. But over here, you can see the processed foods that we are eating right now so many of that and some of us some of us really don't see any of the uh, real foods at all all we see is the processed foods um, over here in malaysia many people like to eat instant meat and of course this instant meat is made in such a way that it's almost indigestible unless unless it's the it's the better it's a better type then you have this Thing that comes in a packet and it has all the flavors that you need and even some of the vegetables there they're all dried up and you just put it there and you add hot water you boil it for a while and then you eat it and uh, many people even survive on that and I do not know I, I think I actually know what it does to the health right. because especially this past uh, this past two years whereby we've been uh, undergoing a uh, lockdown after lockdown after lockdown and still not helping with the uh, cases uh, that many people have only dried food in the house. So some people have actually started surviving off this instant meal and maybe some rice and all that. 
And what I've seen happen is that many people are getting depressed. And uh, I think that many mental illnesses are coming out. Children are getting into tantrums. And of course, the skin is acting up. And I think that these past two years, if only we had done a study on the microbiome before this disaster happened to us and after, we'll find that there is a huge shift in the microbiome uh, that have uh, tended towards the being uh, less healthy. This is what I think, but can't be proven, of course, because we don't have a before and after picture. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody thought about doing a study on a microbiome before the disaster because we didn't know that there was going to be a disaster anyway. You mentioned uh, this, that the... Uh, sorry. Uh, you mentioned yeah. that the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the natural foods, the vegetables and fruit are better for the microbiome. Um, but Yes, they are. But after boiling, surely the microbiome would die. Pardon? After the food is cooked, like you've got broccoli and peas. No, no, uh, it's not. It's not as if the the food contains the the microbiome that you need. Of course, the 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 food that is not cooked will have some bacteria on it, right? Uh, bacteria and all that, and so we do swallow it. But actually, our acid gets rid of most of it before it can reach the guts. So what I'm saying is that they, the fibrous foods, the the fiber. You know, they have prebiotics. They have prebiotics. So these prebiotics are actually insoluble. I mean, uh, indigestible for a human being, but they are food for the bacteria that's colonizing our guts. So it's not as if we swallow the, the microbiome uh, and that's what grows in us, but the microbiome is already there. We got it from before and it has to either grow or die. And it can only grow if it has been given food. So the the microbiome does not eat the food that we eat. It yeah it, yeah it does in a way, but it it doesn't take from our nutrition. What it does is that it takes the nutrition from the parts that are not digestible to us. We call them the prebiotic. So you know probiotics are the microbiome themselves. That means to say if we swallow a probiotic that has been specially designed to uh, dissolve um, in, the, in the intestines and will actually colonize our intestine, uh, then we call it a probiotic. But a prebiotic is a food that has got um, uh, food for the bacteria. You got that? Okay, so this uh, processed food, on the other hand, the refined and the processed food, they do not have a lot of this food for the bacteria. On the other hand, they have a lot of food for the pathogens, the bad ones, the hooligans. Why? Because the processed food is high in sugar and high in chemicals, um, additives, food additives, right? like, um, what do you call it? Um, uh, preservatives, yes. dye, coloring, and mm. flavoring. Mm. Now, those hooligans, they love this, but the good bacteria, they don't want it. You know, it doesn't give them any nutrition, but this is good food for the hooligans. So they like to eat all this. Okay. 
So I kind of think that, you know, children who like to eat junk food, children who like to eat food with lots of additives and all that, they're doing it because the bacteria, the bad bacteria, the hooligans are telling them to. Why? Because there's food for the bad bacteria. Whereas uh, if we have got a lot of good bacteria in our gut, we will be uh, wanting more of the natural foods. So it works both ways. Kind of works both ways, all right? So what kind of like when you start taking all the processed food, you'll be addicted to it. So I just want to mention that the skin have got uh, uh, microbiomes and uh, the gut mi mi microbiome does affect the skin. I'm not going to say much about it, but it, have got, it has got uh, a bearing on what our usual practices are. You see, because uh, commercially they are selling, you know, antiseptic soaps and saying that if you play in the dirt, you're going to get sick because all these germs are going to affect you and make you sick. And so you come home and you use an antiseptic soap. Actually, that's not the way to do it because we will remove the good bacteria on our skin that's actually protecting our skin and keeping it healthy. So that's what happens when we use antiseptic soaps and antiseptic creams and all that. So um, this is just to mention that, you know, I, I kind of uh, almost stopped using these commercial soaps and uh, shampoos which have a lot of uh, all the chemical additives. And I've uh, actually started to choose more natural ones. In fact, um, my family, my, my daughter, she makes them herself. And uh, we make them for the family, the soaps and all, okay, and the creams and all. Uh, because the commercial ones are actually bad for the skin. They kill the microbiome. So uh, when uh, we have uh, what we call a leaky gut, you know, some of uh, my doctor colleagues, or I won't call them colleagues, some of my uh, doctor community, they laugh when uh, people like me talk about the leaky gut because they don't really understand what we mean by a leaky gut. Uh, a leaky gut means an uh, intestinal barrier that has been impaired. And uh, because of this, uh, the, 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 the skin microbiome will be disrupted by the, you know, you can get acne and you can get all kinds of eruptions and all that from a leaky gut. And uh, gastrointestinal disorders are usually accompanied by skin manifestations. That's why when patients come to me with eczema, one of the first things I do is I ask them what they eat and I ask them about their digestion and I ask them about their poo. And, you know, some people who don't understand the connection will be asking, Doctor, I came to you for a skin condition. Why are you asking me about my digestion? But since I've been doing it for many, many years, I think uh, it's uh, more than 10 years that I've been doing it, and I write a lot on my page, so more and more people are starting to realize the reason why I do that. The reason is because what happens in the gut happens to the skin. And uh, I find it amazing that some skin specialists are still saying it doesn't matter what you eat. It doesn't matter what you eat. It has no bearing on eczema. And uh, I'm wondering, um, I'm wondering what they learned. I mean, I, I, I'm wondering what they learned from seeing their patients and giving them steroids and antibiotics and antihistamines and seeing that it doesn't work. 
but maybe they like it because you know when you give a steroid and antibiotics the skin goes okay for a while and then you, you get it back so i think it's the money is there you know people are not getting well they just hold on and then you know sick yeah. again and hold on and sick again mm. this, the thing with me is that when my patients get better i don't see them for years it's bad for the pocket really i don't see them for years and years and years and uh, they started coming back after this um, lockdown stuff, you know, all these MCOs and the lockdown. They started coming back because their diet was bad. So their skin became bad again. So then they started coming. But, you know, doctors don't like it when patients don't see them because they got better. Except for doctors like me, uh, we don't mind because we know that as long as they don't come, that means to say they're okay. Because when we see their record, we say that they got better and then they didn't come. So that's fine. Okay. So um, I was saying about this. So I'll just summarize it. So these are the these are the bad guys that's present in our uh, what do you call it skincare products and hair care products. And uh, so instead of using chemical steroid and antibiotics, why don't we use prebiotics and probiotics and postbiotics? Some uh, skincare companies are actually doing it and I think that my daughter is also looking into it in fact we've already added prebiotic to our soap we we have a soap we call shamana 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 uh, shamana because we, it has got some chamomile and mana because it has got gum arabic and gum arabic is a very very good prebiotic so we have a prebiotic soap already okay so uh, this question, I think, came from you. Does the brain have a microbiome? Well, okay, what, what we found out that actually the brain might have a microbiome. But generally speaking, if the brain had bacteria, we'd have an abscess in the brain. And, you know, we get meningitis and all kinds of uh, uh, nasty, nasty diseases in the brain. So it will cause inflammation. So, but the thing is that, there was some research, some analysis of post-mortem analysis. So we don't really know whether the bacteria was there before they died. Okay. So we don't know yet is the answer. Does the brain have a microbiome? Okay. So instead of asking whether the brain has a microbiome, we can ask how is the brain influenced uh, by uh, the guts? So, uh, yes, they found out quite some time ago that uh, some of the viruses that cause a common cold might actually decide to reside in the guts and uh, they can actually cause weight gain. I think I must have some of them in the gut. Uh, we, we will find out about uh, which, are the, which are the bacteria or the viruses that actually cause weight gain and get rid of it. Yeah, we'll zap them up. <laughs> so uh, it has an influence on the weight gain, on your appetite and all that, on bowel movement. I found that people with bad microbiome, either they get diarrhea or they get constipated. And uh, they also have an effect on uh, how we use our nutrients and, of course, uh, the balance, the balance of the, upper, the balance of the microbes. Okay, so uh, hold on a second. I can't see this. So uh, this is the main thing here, neurotransmitters in the brain. So this uh, gut, it have got some chemicals that are actually 
sent to the brain and they can affect the stress, anxiety and mood behavior. Okay, and it's all from these thing, little, little animals in the guts, our friends. Okay, so um, I'm not going to talk about this very complex diagram that I have on my, on my left. Uh, but uh, just to summarize that uh, Parkinson's disease is, uh, they, they found that uh, many Parkinson's patients have an E. coli that is causing a misfolded protein that is affecting the brain and causing uh, Parkinson's. And uh, they found that uh, B3 is actually one of the vitamins that uh, that is um, manufactured. Yeah, it is actually uh, the, the the microbes, the bacteria is actually manufacturing B vitamins, and uh, lack of B vitamins was found in motor neuron disease. And uh, autism has been um, associated with a, a mother getting uh, infections in the guts in pregnancy. And I hate to mention this, but um, it has got something to do with uh, the proteins as well. And I am really, really very, very anxious about people getting vaccinated while pregnant. Because if at all, it causes these proteins to change in the body of the mother, it might affect the baby. All right, I say it very cautiously because it's something that you know we don't know anything about the 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 um what happens was that in february they started to uh, give uh, vaccines to pregnant mothers and these mothers have since give, given birth to uh, almost 100% healthy babies but we don't know in terms of their development how they're going to grow up because these babies are about uh, i think uh, must be about four months old now, uh, February, April, April, May, June, maybe four, five months old. So we don't really know about the development yet. Okay, so the brain can influence the microbes. Just now I was saying that the microbes can influence the brain. Haha. So uh, if you are under a lot of stress, if you are under a lot of stress, for example, during surgery, there's a lot of um, no epinephrine produced. And uh, this can result in a pseudomonas growing. And uh, it results in a infection in the gut. And uh, they can, no, no epinephrine also stimulates proliferation of strains of uh, pathogens. So kind of like when you are under a lot of stress, kind of like if you're a very angry person and you're angry all the time or worried all the time or anxious all the time, you're actually uh, producing a lot of this uh, adrenaline and epinephrine and all that. Those are the sympathetic hormone, uh, the sympathetic uh, nervous system is going to be activated and you are actually going to feed the bad guys in our guts. Okay, that's, that's the thing that I'm saying, that maybe that's the reason why people are getting more sick now. And I think that, you know, having these lockdowns and having people uh, 
uh, locked up and not able to carry out their uh, go about their normal activities might actually contribute to more people dying from viruses because their immune system goes down their gut bacteria becomes bad and uh, they, they, they have no resistance left in their bodies so the benefits of the normal flora so they can uh, they can uh, synthesize excrete vitamin k uh, B12, B2, B3 as well. And also, as I told you, I gave you the model of the village with a lot of good citizens and a few hooligans. So when there are a lot of good citizens, which means to say the good bacteria, uh, there's actually um, a lot of uh, good bacteria. And the bad bacteria, the bad guys will have to behave. But when there are a lot of the bad guys, then the good guys you won't have enough of that, all right? So how they do that, maybe they antagonize other bacteria by producing substances which inhibit or kill the bad bacteria. All right, so um, the benefits of the normal flora also stimulate the development of tissues, intestines, lymphatic tissue, capillary density, and also it stimulates the production of cross-reactive antibodies. So, uh, again, they kill off the bad guys. Okay. So now, the uh, health problems are being caused by the imbalanced microbiome. I think um, this is quite obvious that there are autoimmune diseases. Eczema is also one of them. Uh, eczema is not... It's not categorized as autoimmune. It is also an immune system problem. But actually, there's a very narrow margin between um, uh, eczema and um, psoriasis, for example. And then, of course, we have all the other diseases, cancer, diabetes. All these are immune system problems. Depression, I've already said that because it, the gut bacteria affects the brain. And then obesity, heart problems and uh, digestive disorders like Crohn's, IBS, ulcerative colitis, constipation, diarrhea, headaches, and migraine. And uh, what causes the microbiome uh, imbalance? So I've already mentioned a lot of this, but just to summarize that actually antibiotics, infections, yeah, infection, gut infections, pathogens and viruses, any infection actually, uh, you find that many viruses actually cause diarrhea uh, and uh, mm, even, even when you say, for example, dengue or, and actually it will alter the microbiome. People like to uh, pop pills like a non-steroid anti-inflammatory and this also actually affects the microbiomes, other medications, stress, uh, hygiene. Hygiene, hygiene. Um, actually, I think that uh, we got it wrong when it comes to the hygiene. Uh, we, we use sanitizers, this, that, and the other. I'm not saying that sanitizers are bad. We probably need it to uh, kill off uh, viruses and bacteria at, at times. Doctors have to use a lot because they deal with sick people who have uh, germs all over their bodies. Okay? Drugs, alcohol, C-sections not breastfed, formula fed, uh, processed food, environmental toxins. Environmental, I can't even begin to talk about environmental toxins. We're having more and more and more and more. And uh, frankly speaking, it's a very chemical world. 
but I think that chemical companies and drug companies, they're the richest in the world, yeah? They have the most money. So they actually control what happens to the environment. Okay, so what do we do about it? I've, I've talked about so much bad news, right? I've talked about so much bad news. Um, so um, fermented food um, is good. So um, as I was saying earlier to John, it's not something direct. It's not something direct. You're not, you do not directly uh, eat and then you produce the, this one. But actually, uh, it has been, there have been experiments, there have been tried, trials. So it suggests that the, there are health benefits uh, compared to non-fermented counterparts. So it's actually extremely good to take fermented foods every day. And for my Malaysian audience, please, a blachan is not it, yeah? Because uh, we have putrefied food, putrefied food, yeah? Putrefied food, which, uh, uh, which we use. But actually, that's not really what I mean when I say fermented foods. It's more like pickles. It's more like pickles, like chutney, like kimchi, sauerkrauts, and um, of course, our tapai. And um, we also have this, uh, you know, the durian that they make into a ferment, uh, tempoya. Those are the fermented foods. And the best way to eat them is not, not to cook them, okay? So they, they, they do have. And, and then we have drinks like kefir and kombucha, okay? So chemicals, chemicals and more chemicals actually disrupt the microbiome. Okay, so uh, that's why among the things that I always tell my patients, stay away, stay away from these aisles in the supermarket, these processed food aisles, because they have a lot of chemicals. And these chemicals are really, really not good for us. So, my suggestion, natural fresh food and uh, include the fermented foods, uh, more plant-based than animal-based. If you want to take supplements, make sure you have some probiotics and prebiotics as well as other supplements that are actually anti-inflammatory. As I said before, stress can actually uh, increase the, the possibility of uh, the microbiome changing for the worse. And exercise is actually good uh, to... Well, exercise, it will help you to improve your mood. And in that way, it also influences the microbiomes to become better. Uh, limiting exposure to environmental toxins. How do we do that? Maybe we should go off the grid. <laughs> and exposure to good dirt, to good dirt, good dirt. Okay, some dirt is bad, okay? So if uh, dirt is bad, you can get sick. So um, how, how do we find good dirt? I was going to I ask guess, a question. How do, you, how do you look at some dirt and say, hey, that's good dirt? Or how do you look at other dirt and say, no, I've got to keep away from there? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's, 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 it's not something so easy. But I, what I think is that um, it depends on our, the animals, you know. If the, if the animals in that area are healthy, uh, they don't have a lot of parasites and they, they don't have a lot of um, uh, diseases, 
then the dirt there would be good. But uh, in general, uh, nowadays the animals are also not eating well, you know, because they are also eating processed food coming from a tin. So the poo that animals have is actually not so good. And you know that uh, the, uh, uh, animal poo is usually found in dirt. Okay. So because the animals are not healthy, I don't think it's easy to find good dirt. I suppose good dirt will be in places like where the hunter-gatherers are. Possible. Okay. And uh, the thing is that when they did, uh, when they did the trials uh, uh, about the the East Germany and West Germany, and they have the same climate and all that, but they have a different way of life, even though in the same uh, region. I suppose that the, the, the people who were more rural and farming, their animals were also eating well. And so they had animals in the house as well, and the children were more healthy. So I think that is what we mean by good dirts. Okay, so um, in order to, uh, to, to, to reverse the situation, uh, we should remove allergens, food allergens, uh, gluten, dairy, soy, soy, corn, especially corn syrup and all that, and sugar, and irritants and toxins from the diet. And I'm afraid the bad news is that this is all found in, any, uh, in uh, baby, baby formula and baby foods. Crazy, isn't it? We're feeding our babies the things that actually produce bad microbiome. And we can replace them with uh, better choices, actually. Superfoods. Um, stomach acid is something uh, which, which can be uh, found as a supplement. The thing is that, you know, you treat, uh, you treat uh, GERD, for example, uh, using things that actually reduce stomach acid. But by doing so, you're actually making the food uh, less digestible, you're encouraging bad bacteria to grow in the stomach and then go down and affect the microbiome. Uh, so it's a really a bad approach because the thing is that with a heartburn and with GERD, it's not because there's too much acid. It's because the acid has gone into the wrong place. So it's, uh, it's really, and the, the thing is that uh, with uh, some drugs, it can actually uh, be a factor for triggering stomach cancer. And then, uh, you know, there's actually a new, a new kind of treatment whereby you take the, 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 the microbiome by using the poo. Of course, you don't, put, uh, you don't take the whole poo and put it in, but you kind of like get something from the poo and you inoculate it back. You, you give a rectal enema of the thing and it actually worked in many cases whereby the, the microbiome had gone very, very bad. And so you re-inoculate via an enema, a fecal transplant. And sometimes you take it from the mom to give to the sick child and all that. Okay? And then repair, leaky gut, food, supplements, etc., etc. Okay, probiotics, prebiotics, I've talked about that. And zinc, carnosine, these are all supplements. And then you have the licorice and the glutamine marshmallow, quercetin, which I rate. These are the substances, these are the supplements that have been found to be helpful in repairing the gut's wall. And of course, correcting the microbiome. And uh, for probiotics, probiotics, you know, when, when I mention probiotics, everybody rushes out and buys probiotics. But you know that, you know, if you have eczema and uh, you take a, uh, 
probiotic strain that actually uh, increases the histamine, you're going to get more itching. So, for example, uh, there are some uh, uh, bacteria in yogurt, yeah, yogurt that can actually make an eczema worse. So, uh, you have to actually study the the probiotic and see what strains of bacteria uh, inside the prebiotic to find out whether it's good for you or bad for you. I think it's beyond the scope of this uh, webinar to discuss this, uh, but um, you can look into it. Yeah, you can look into it. Uh, how how this um, uh, which kinds of probiotics will be helpful for which kinds of situations? Okay. And then we have the superfoods, bone broth, because it's got a lot of collagen and minerals. And uh, asparagus, artichokes, they have the prebiotics needed, fermented food. Garlic and onion, they have a lot of this prebiotic. And uh, garlic have got allicin, which is actually anti-inflammatory. And then uh, we have tomatoes. But uh, for tomatoes, it's a solanacea. So the uncooked ones actually have something that can actually cause inflammation. And uh, the way to take tomatoes, to eat tomatoes, is actually to remove the skin as well as the seeds. Then you get the good part. Okay. And I've come to the last slide, I think. And uh, maybe we have different ways of treatment. For example, fecal implantation. In, I know it sounds gross, but actually it works. And then probiotics rather than antibiotics, a natural diet and organic farming and dealing with environmental toxins. We've actually got a lot of work to do, a lot, really a lot. And I, I'm, I, as I said earlier, John, that uh, I believe that uh, the microbes can be encouraged by uh, microgen. And uh, we probably find... Uh, I mean, uh, I think we can discuss about how, uh, which frequencies will actually improve the microbiome. I think that's all from me. Uh, that's all from me. And yes. I'm going to uh, stop the share. Do we open it for questioning or? Uh, yes, we've got a few questions Anything? coming in. It was a fascinating um, presentation, by the way. It's just it's nothing really complicated, really. It's just simple steps and try not to be excessively clean, avoiding drugs, um, which include things like um, uh, <laughs> just about any drugs, I guess, is suppressing the, um, the microbiome in some way, but certainly the antibiotics. Um, but the simple steps is all that's required to, um, to improve the health of your microbiome. But it's quite worrying when you went through the list of the diseases that were caused by a defective, a deficient, or a um, a um, underpopulated microbiome is is quite alarming. Um, now there were yes, actually, I think, but actually, it's also good news in the sense that we will be able to look at these diseases from a different point of view uh, instead of trying to uh, you know many of these diseases don't actually have a treatment. Right. So if we understand that the causes better, we can actually work harder to prevent them and uh, find new approaches to, to cure them. Don't you think so? Absolutely, absolutely. I've got a question from uh, Ethan Campbell. Now, Ethan, I'll particularly the identity of the person you're talking about in your question. Um, this person 
uh, that Ethan knows has got uh, SIBO is diagnosed by stool sample. And as Ethan understands that, it, it means that there's an overgrowth of certain non-harmful strains of bacteria or maybe even a single strain in the small intestine and a deficiency of the same in the large intestine. Uh, it results in bloating and poor digestion and assimilation of necessary nutrients. Now, apparently there is a wave-like contraction in the smooth muscle of the small intestine, similar to peristalsis, but not the same, which occurs periodically and keeps the bacteria in balance via to what amounts to a sweeping function. And this has stopped in this person's gut. Uh, this person has tried various remedies and they help somewhat, but not tremendously much. Um, now, um, what he's asking is, is there a way to identify the specific bacteria that are overpopulated so they so that he can um, target them using Spooky 2? Or, or do you know of frequencies that can reactivate the smooth muscle action so the body can correct the condition on its own? So what's your take on that? I, I really, um, maybe you can do... Uh biofeedback uh, bio uh, scan yes. and uh, target the frequencies there. Okay, in Cebu, what happens is that these good bacteria are actually not supposed to colonize the small intestine. They are more in the large intestine. There may be small amounts of them in the small intestine. But then uh, they kind of have reverse direction and gone into the small intestine and right. have uh, kind of populated the small intestine, which is not supposed to have a lot of this microbiome. Yes. So that's the reason why there's a lot of bloating and all that, because the thing that is supposed to be happening in the large intestine is not happening in the small intestine. So it's a very uh, difficult condition to treat. And uh, conventionally, of course, they use antibiotics to get rid of the bacteria. Right. But actually, that is actually... Um, not an ideal uh, situation, but it is a possible. It is it is possible to treat first with the antibiotics, then repopulate with the with the with the proper bacteria and all that. Okay. But okay. the other alternative is, I think, what you right uh, is to actually target the the bacteria that is um, growing in the small intestine. Um, I'm not very sure how this can be done. But um, one of the ways I think would be using a biofeedback scan to find out what's happening. Any more questions? Uh, yes. Um, now, um, uh, Sharon is asking, does the biofeedback um, result, do the biofeedback results only display the bad guys in our gut? But we both know that it's, it'll give everything that's in our gut. The, um... uh, I, I'm, I'm not very sure that you, using the biofeedback scan is actually going to uh, kill the good guys as well as the bad guys yeah. and all that. You see, because in homeopathy, in homeopathy, we we kind of give the frequency of the disease to treat the disease. And for example, if I wanted to treat a case of a thyroid function, for example, the person may have hypothyroid or hypothyroid. Right. One of the things that I will be using is a sarcoid called thyroidinum which is made from the thyroid gland and contains thyroid hormones. So I will give thyroidinum for hyper and hypo. But what the body does with the frequency is it balances it. You see, it doesn't um, 
See, frequencies are different from medicine. If you take a antibiotic, the only thing that antibiotic does is to kill mm. the organism. But mm. if you give a frequency, the body uses it to balance. See, what a frequency is, okay, I have to do this. So it corrects itself. Okay? So it doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to kill anything. What, what it means is that the body <laughs> is going to use it because the body has an innate, inbuilt immune system. The body has its own uh, built-in uh, ability to heal. Mm. So what you're doing is you are knocking on the on the immune system and say, hey, you have gone astray, you know. You, you, I'm giving you a sermon because you've actually gone astray. You've forgotten your work. Now come back and do your work. <laughs> so that's what, uh, that's what uh, a frequency is. It's okay. a tazkira. It is a sermon to tell your body's uh, ability to heal. Your, in homeopathy, we call it the vital force to correct itself because the vital force has, has not, uh, is not optimum. Right. Would you suggest using molecular weight frequencies within the Spooky2 database to emulate antibiotics? Uh, yeah, it might work, right? Right. It might work. It might work. A molecular molecular weight of a broad spectrum antibiotic might work, right? Okay. Okay. And of course, it would be less harmful than actually taking an antibiotic. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good idea. I told you, John. I, I really, I, I, I'm uh, of course a, a fan of Spooky Two and all that, but I haven't spent enough time to really understand <laughs> how to use it properly. So maybe after this, it will help me to, you know. You're giving me a sermon to 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 up my <laughs> my spooky to uh, abilities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that 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 might work quite well actually. Right. Without right. the side effects. Yes, yes, yeah. Good idea. Good question from Samuel Ibanja. He's asking, do you have any idea whether colloidal silver affects the good microbiome? As you know, lots of people do take uh, colloidal silver, and, and there's a is a silver colloidal silver kit. And spooky too. So, um, yeah, Samuel is asking whether it will. Um, yeah, I think that I'm not sure why, but I think that it's already been established that it's quite selective in the in the bacteria that it kills, kind of like it targets the pathogens. Okay, okay. I'm not very sure on that. I'll have to look into it some more. I know that many people actually ingest. Uh, Silver uh, is like also it's like this ozone. Ozone water. Many people are drink ozone water. I've actually tried. It, it doesn't work for me. So I haven't actually tried with colloidal silver. Uh, but I think that this thing is something that we don't really know unless we do some research on it and find out what colloidal silver does to the microbiome. Maybe we'll, right. we'll, we'll uh, have to look and see whether anybody has done any work on this to study the effect of colloidal silver on the microbiome. Right. Um, but from, from what I know, quite selective. Okay, okay. Um, what If you were to give our viewers one piece of advice, because we're at the, we've gone into overtime now, so I won't hold you up much longer, but if you can give them just one bit of advice, you've given us a lot of information on how to improve our microbiome, but what is the one most important piece of advice you'd give to people? That's difficult. <laughs> That's difficult to, oh. to reduce it to one. 
but I think that go back to nature. I mean, go back to nature in in a positive way. You know, go back to go back to what is natural. Go back to the pure foods. Go back to the pure air and the pure mm. environments. Mm. Uh, that's it. I mean, we're living in a jungle, in a in a chemical jungle. Right. We're not supposed to be like this. We're human no. beings. And of course, lots of people. We talk about healthy dirt and unhealthy dirt, but some people never see dirt at all because they're living in a concrete city. And um, and you do they'll find us in flower pots. So it's it's hard it's hard to live healthy now. I suppose. Um, yeah. But we yeah, have, it is. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. Yeah, but it, it is. What used it to be something <laughs> that we took for granted is now difficult. Even if you find, if you want to buy chicken that is not got antibiotics, you've got to. Uh, struggle to 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 get that, you know. Right. And if you want to find food that has no chemicals, it's difficult. It's it's become difficult uh, to get things that our grandmothers took for granted. Yeah. So well, kind of um, not not to say that I want us to go backwards, yeah. Because some good things happen forwards, like Fukuchu, for example, it happens forwards. <laughs> but there are things that we should, you know, we should, we should look look back and see. Okay, those were the times when you know uh, people were more healthy because they were eating a, a better diet. It's funny you should talk about going backwards and living a better. Life. It's quite a quite a coincidence because at the moment we're. Pardon? It's a coincidence you're talking about going backwards. Um, we are going to be giving away uh, a 500-year-old book, <laughs> which has wisdom which is still still relevant today. Um, and it's going to be another way that we try and pass our love forwards uh, by trying to teach people how to change their life, make their life more fruitful, more more meaningful, and on a superficial level, make it seem like they're more lucky because some people think, oh, they get all the worst luck. They they always miss out on promotions or never win this or that. Well, this book explains in, in great detail how you can change things for the better, but it's 500 years old and you're talking about getting back in time to to make make things better. Well, you know, quite possibly 100 years ago, things were much better than now in, in many, many ways. So if we can recognize and try and not let go, and, uh, you know, as soon as we get a generation which never knew of what happened in the past or how good it was, then it's lost. So we can't let that happen. So we're going to be giving away this 500-year-old book to keep, keep some knowledge alive. Um, but thank you so much for um, thank you for um, coming into our show. It's um, been wonderful yeah. to um, to have you with us. It's um, great to meet a friend who I thought I'd never speak to in person, face to face. I'm surprised you remember me. Well, you know, um, some a lot of people they. When Spooky first started out, it was very small, of course, so there weren't that many customers anyway. But I came to realize even very, very early on that um, the customers from you know, that we were having were, were different from what you'd regard as just cold, hard, fast, 
customers. I sent you two um, spooky pulses instead of one, for example. And then immediately you contacted me and told me, hey, I've made a mistake, right? Now, how many people would actually do that? But you would do if you were a kind-hearted soul and you always want to do the right thing. And so right from that day, I realized that you were such a person. So, of course, I remember you. Thank you. And thank you for your early support, and, and you've, made, you've helped make Spooky what it is now, today. <laughs> so thank you for accepting our invitation. Thank you for our invitation to the show. It's been wonderful, and we've learned a lot about the microbiome mm. and um, how we can okay. repair uh, the damage. Mm. Well, I, I hope that people who listen in uh, benefited from it or will benefit from it. I hope so. Oh, they will. They will. It's up to them now whether they accept it and implement what they've learned. Some people just listen to it. Well, that's interesting, but it's like everything else they view on the internet, on the computer, it's entertainment. Well, this is more than entertainment. Information that you've given can be life-changing, life-improving and health-giving. So um, my advice is for people not just to listen to you and tune out and go on to some other entertaining type site on the internet or play games, think about it and do it. <laughs> Make the change. And thank you very much for all, you, all the um, attendees, the participants to the SAMA. I thank you for your input and your, your um, participation. It's, um, as always, um, greatly um, appreciated. So thank you very much. And yes, Ethan, I'm talking about you as well. <laughs> you told me to put my microphone on mute because my background noise was interfering with your presentation. So good advice. Well, thanks once again. It's been wonderful having you with us. And everybody, please keep on passing the love forwards. The world needs more love, needs more love from you. So help people that you uh, love, help people that you don't love. Um, help people um, and keep on passing it forwards. Uh, make the world a better place. So until next time, goodbye.